I'm Katie. I'm Liz, and we're Not Not Your Your Mommy. Mommy. (laughs) Hello. Um, We're here today with Geneve Burley. Hi, Geneve. Hello. Hi. Um, Geneve is a chiropractor. She is a fitness instructor, wellness expert, mental health advocate, and a mom of two. Are your daughters teenagers? I was trying to. Yeah, they are. Oh my they're, God. they're, they're full on. Um, Shiloh is 14 and my eldest Reese is turning 16 in less than a month. Oh my God. I remember <sighs> when they were both under the age of 10. That's so I know. crazy. I know. Oh my God. That's nuts. Um, yeah. So did we miss anything? Any other crucial parts about you? I have many pets and that's what I just want to clear with our audience is that there might be some barking um, and I apologize in advance. They're idiots, but I love them. <laughs> We're okay with <laughs> love that. it. We love a, a dog cameo. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, before I had a child, I knew you as a fitness instructor um, and you, are you on the board of BC Women's Mental Health? I- I've worked with them a lot and I actually have a lot of upcoming projects with them. They're doing some really incredible things in the mental health space. Um, I have a meeting to go see a new project that isn't even out there yet. That's, that's really important for mom and baby. So I do a ton of work with them. I'm not on their board. Got it. Nice. Well, I just remember when you were posting about that and I was really in it. I was like, this is my person. She gets it. Mm-hmm. I and actually you... remember the day Geneve sent you a DM on Instagram. I sent Geneve a DM. Oh, okay. You sent her and then she, but the way she responded, I remember like, yeah, so much about that time, obviously in your life. And Liz, you can talk more to it, but yeah, it was, that, was... that really meant so much. So much. I was just, you know, when you're really struggling and I just was like, desperate for anything and anyone to make me feel better and Geneve had been sharing about I think you were just sharing about some of the work you were up to and I just felt like you got it and I was like maybe she can help and I think I literally just sent you a dm and was like can we talk and I remember you called me from the airport you were going somewhere and we just talked and you shared a little bit about your postpartum story which I'd love for you to get into but the line I'll like never forget is you told me about <laughs> your Tim Horton steep tea. So like anyone who's like been in it with mental health knows that like there's this moment when you know that you're feeling better. And Geneve was out for a walk with her daughter and she saw Tim Hortons and she was like, I really want a steep tea. Like that was her thing. And she was like, I'm back. Like my joy, my like sparkle is there. And you were just like, yeah, your steep tea moment is going to come. And it did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, that gives me chills because it, it really is like, I know exactly where you are. Well, I mean, not you you have your own journey, but I, I remember just looking for anyone that I could see myself in that I, I knew there was going to be another side, you yeah. know, and, and also that had been in the depths of where I was, you know, because it was bad for me. And I just remember though, the steep tea moment was that I used to like, that used to be like the thing I got excited about to do in Toronto when I lived there. I was like, when am I having my steep tea today? And then when you're in like PPD or postpartum depression or anxiety, it's like down or flat. It's not, you're not getting excited about things. It's a, it's a very different place. So the first time I was walking my dogs and I got like this rush of like, oh, I'm excited about a steep tea. It didn't mean that everything was better for me, but that's when I was like, oh, my head is starting to get above water because I just felt something I haven't felt in a long time. Yeah. And yeah. so I have a Tim Hortons like 
ornament on my tree. Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't drink them anymore, but it'll always be. Yeah. You know what? I'd never had one and a part of me was like, should I try it? But, um, (laughs) yeah, I honestly, I think about that story so much. And, um, I remember, I think I like posted something and you were like commented, like, are you having like a steep tea moment or something? I was like, yes. Yeah. Happening. Did you have, um, like were there, was it just like a matter of time or were there tools and like practices that helped you get to your steep tea moment? Um, a hundred percent. It's like a, I think of it as like a pie chart and that's how I visualize it in my brain is like, you know, medication helps a little bit, maybe pull you out of a hole. And then yoga was half of the pie chart for me. Like I, I was like kind of an obsessive athlete. And then I just, all I could do was go to yoga and not, that's not a minimal thing anyways. I'm not minimizing how hard it is to just get up and do anything. But like, um, I started kind of listening and learning a lot and then did a deeper teacher training. So I would say yoga was a really big part of my recovery. The people who love you and remind you, like you you are going to be okay. You don't see it yet. Um, so definitely it's not, any, I wish it was one solution, but it's Mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. I I think the mental thing really is actually God willing or, you know, universe willing that you find the right person as a counselor or someone who's like, Hey, this is a lot of people go through this. You're not abnormal. You're not a failure. You're not, um, you need to have compassion for yourself because the last, like I did not have any compassion for myself. I was like, you're a medical professional. You should have seen this. Mm -hmm. You can control it if you have it. Um, and, and just kind of like, if you can't control your mind, you're going to go crazy. Then you're going to be a crazy mom. Like it was really like, I was, it was pain on pain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, how powerful is that as like a doctor? Like I could see, or someone in like the medical space, like that pressure you would put on yourself to Um, And I've seen that with friends of mine who are nurses or teachers or, you know, people who are really involved with babies and they just expect that, oh, well, I know this and it's going to be natural to me and I'm going to love every minute. And it's really like a kick in the pants when it's not. Yeah. And so was your postpartum, did you have it with both your girls? I did, but I felt with Shiloh, it was a little bit more delayed, actually. Like it kind of just, I feel like it, it. I was so ready for it to be so bad in the beginning that I think I almost poked for it. I don't know, but I felt like with her, it was like three to six months old that I was in it. And Reese was, I had a really traumatic birth. I had no sleep for three days. You know, it was all new and, and obviously my chemistry, my hormones give me a hard time with it. So Reese was immediate and almost like shock and Shiloh was kind of more delayed, but I definitely like both times I went home to my family and that's just where I felt at home. You know, I, I, I went home, not that I have like a perfect family or even like a super functional one, but it's, it's kind of what, you know, and you feel safe with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I definitely resonate with that. I felt like I needed to like be with someone because I just didn't really feel safe on my own. And I felt shame about that because I think like in North America, we're obsessed with like doing everything on your own. I always think about this, like other places in the world, you have a kid and you like live with your family for five years. Like there truly is this like village mentality. Whereas I feel like in North America, we like glorify it. Like, oh my God, your baby's only three weeks old and you're like out of fitness class and you're doing this. That's what I mean. Look, my stomach's already flat. I'm like, I got my cute coffee. And and honestly, I went into pregnancy very naive thinking like, oh, I got the bugaboo. Now I'm much 
older and my, my babies now, but like I got the bugaboo stroller and I got all the accessories. I even got the jean version of it. And I was like, I'm ready. <laughs> That's amazing. Totally. I'm ready. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was the exact this same This is all way. it's about. Yeah. yeah Liz, Limited edition Liz jean bugaboo. exact same way. I was like, yeah. I got my yeah. linen. I got my cute beige baby yeah. clothes. I'm set. <laughs> yeah. And it's That's not. That's all you need. It's not just it's, that. It's, no, it's like your organs have been pushed out of the way you're you have 40 times the progesterone as a normal person then it all drops it's 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 a massive massive change and and i agree with you in north america we are really really told um to minimize it so you know, okay, it, hearing it, that it, thing about progesterone because that's been a real journey for me is my hormones and i'm i yeah. still have vertigo right now from um weaning off breastfeeding in the last few months and I'm just like, I feel like we, yeah, we talk so much about like, oh, are you ready? Oh, the baby shower. Oh, make sure you have all the things and all that. Or are you ready for birth? What's your birth plan? But like, it's crazy. Like, why are we not, like even my acupuncturist, I'm like, okay, if you knew that my progesterone, I had to have like an emergency call with her, um, yeah. you know, within like six weeks of um, me having a child because my hormones were all over the place and yeah. I was having crazy migraines and I like couldn't see straight. Yeah. And I'm like, if everyone knows these things and it's like, oh yeah, this is just what's happening. It's like, why are we not actually prepping for that? You know, like I why know. is that the, not the guides? And why didn't I have all the Chinese herbs ready for that moment? Instead, I had to get like a, you know, overnight express to my house. Like, I don't know. It's so funny. Like, and, and we can have these conversations and hopefully it helps, but I don't know. It's a funny thing. And then it's funny because then we'll yeah. have a second child. And our, I, I hope, you know, that if I do decide that we, if we do decide to have a second child, I'm like going to prepare the vitamins and the hormones mm -hmm. and all that. But like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, I guess it's just more fun to, you know, plan the outfits and plan all that stuff. But it is this funny I, thing I blame men. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. I, I, okay. We so like, she's yeah. already, I, we like that. I, we like that. Because you already know honestly, our tone like, of voice for the podcast. If, if men went through, and I, I, I mean it lightly, but like if men actually went through, there would be a kit that you got home with that you tested your hormones one week postpartum, uh, four weeks, and then at three months, just to make sure it was moving along at a normal progression. Then mm. if there's any like major flags, it's like, Hey, yeah, you're, you're wackadoodle and you're, um, you know, your progesterone, it's, it's nil or your estrogen's low or your estrogen's mm -hmm. too high. You know, I just, I feel, and the other thing is nothing works in separation. So if your hormones are off, right. your neurotransmitters are off, your digestive enzymes are off, your like insulin, your thyroid, everything is connected. Mm -hmm. And that's why I feel like it takes a while to get out of postpartum depression or anxiety or yeah. anything we're experiencing because you have to reset the whole system. It's not a one it, it's it's impossible to be a one answer thing. The right. only so thing I guess that we, that's the thing too, yeah. right? Is we can't even really prep. But yeah, you can prep with your testing and your your conversation around it and your data points. I guess or just but like you can't. It's support. not like I can take home a, t a, a lunch kit with all the vitamins I need because we just don't know. Everyone's different. Yeah, well, I mean, but most people do have a similar vitamin need, which is interesting. You know, mm -hmm. I I also think there should be like a real education around how much stress having a new child is. And if, and instead of like saying, Oh, you're the luckiest person in the world, which we are lucky. I, yeah. It's very fortunate to be able to have children, not minimizing that, but like mm -hmm. it, it was, it felt like for me, everyone's like, congratulations on your baby girl. And I'm like, I'm like so Dying. outside of myself or who I know I am, but yet the, 
the idea is I have to just be happy because I've had a healthy baby girl, you know, and, and, and it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, again, it's a lack of compassion for yourself as a human being. Like if we look at our babies, when they grow up, do we want them to be torn apart, depressed, mm. anxious, and have a baby and just say, just like, not, they're no longer our baby. Oh, you had a grand, you, my grandchild's great. So you're, you, we can bypass you now. No, all of us deserve to be worthy of mm-hmm. compassion around what that experience okay. is. I will, you know, it is interesting though, cause I do kind of, and of course, like, you know, my relationship with, with my parents aren't like, probably ideal, but like. I do feel like I'm like, hello, like you've done this like three times, or like to my aunts and uncles, I'm like, hello, like, you guys know what I'm going through? Or have they just forgotten? Because I do feel like it's like, oh, you got you look so good and so healthy. I'm so happy to see how healthy you look. But I'm like, no, like I'm in it. And it's yeah. so mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. And I need like some validation and like has and like asking like, how's your how are you like? Yeah, how's your scar? How's your you had surgery, yeah. but it's like, oh, you look so good. And I'm like, yeah, wait, I'm so confused. Like, have you guys all been through this? So I do feel like, yeah, like even that for me personally is missing where I'm like, wait, like, are we all just going to act like this is like no biggie? And yeah, everyone does it. And I get that, but it doesn't make it, I don't know. It doesn't, yeah, it's my own personal experience. And like, I need some validation. I think people forget. I I honestly think they forget. Like, because like, I I remember that with like, when I had Emmett and like, even just like questions that like aunts, mother-in-laws asked, like, I'm like, you just forget, like, it's not Mm -hmm. as like potent to you anymore. But I feel like what you're doing, Geneve is like, great, because you're still like talking about it, even though your girls are older. And I didn't even think of it that way. Like, I'm sure being like the mom of girls, like, if I think about Emmett having a child, like, oh my God, I would do anything to like make sure that he didn't experience what I experienced. And like, yeah, I'm sure as like the mom of girls, it's even mm-hmm. more of like a close connection. Like, yeah, I don't know. Um, how so, do you like, how do you make sure you aren't like, you know, my parents and they forget? Like, do yeah. you, I guess you're just a different person as well. But like, I don't know, like, how do you? Well, I, I'm fortunate in that most of my practice is perinatal or half of it. So I actually am very like, you know, when I hear like, I'm, I'm helping them prep up to it. Like, you know, I hope you don't go through this, but if you feel kind of off and stuff that like, that's, that's absolutely normal. And this is hard and you're doing a good job just carrying this baby. And then I get sent pictures. I'm like, Oh, that's a cute baby. How are you? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I'm so happy you had this baby, but how are you Mm -hmm. doing? Mm -hmm. Which is such like a, that's not the usual experience. It's like all about the mom when you're pregnant and then the baby comes and it's all about the baby. And yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I told, I forgot that like you, I didn't realize that that was your focus and I'm sure you're like, so do you find that moms come to you when they're postpartum or do you find that like all those like wellness practices like go to the wayside? No, they come postpartum and I think they come because there's been a continuity of support and we've established a safety that you can come in here and like, let me help your body, but mostly like come in here for 15 minutes on your own and, and be validated in, in your experience. And Geneva was know. one of the first people I told I was pregnant. Oh my God. <laughs> I wasn't, I, I remember anyway, cause I came in and then I didn't tell you the first time. Cause I think I was like, I found out like the day before I just didn't think anything of it. And then you were like, Oh, 
I was like, oh yeah, I'm pregnant. And you were like, oh, like, how long? and then I think you like, I don't know, you can tell your version yeah. of it, but um, you were like, you can tell me these things. I'm not, it's a weird thing when your hero yeah. is also like in your network and in yeah. your friends. Yeah. And like, I hadn't told anyone um, and like was still like coming to terms with that. And so, yeah. And you were like, oh my God. And then I feel like you really made me understand the importance of your practice in preparing for, you know, in like supporting my baby and supporting my birth and supporting being pregnant and all that. Um, but what, like, yeah, can you tell us a little bit more? Cause it's funny. Cause I actually tell everyone when they're pregnant, I'm like, you should see a Cairo. Like it's going to really help prep your body and also just support what you're going through. Cause I had such bad back pain and stuff. Like Same. what yeah. I feel like people don't know to see a Cairo. They just think, Oh, my neck's sore. I should see a Cairo. Yeah, I would say it's one of the most important times in your life to get seen because what's we're we're musculoskeletal specialists, so joints, nerves, articular joint. Well, that that's a little bit technical, but you know what I mean. We're working with the muscles and the skeleton and the joints in the body and the nerves. So when you're going through pregnancy, a lot changes to accommodate the baby and what we don't also sometimes account for is how quickly the changes happen. Like not many people gain 40 pounds in nine months, you know, like that's a quite a rapid weight gain and, and change on structures in the body. So what we see is a, a widening of the pelvis, um, changes in the shape of your back, like accentuations of that curve in the back. And then a lot of strain from breast development and mid back. So um, in the beginning stages of pregnancy, it's really working on these new changes mid back. And then in the later pregnancy, what we're trying to do because the uterine ligaments attached to the pelvis is just make sure mom is really well aligned so that there's no tension or torsion in the uterine ligaments and also checking out the pubic symphysis. Cause some people can get really sharp pain there as, because that, that joint actually doesn't is not meant to move, but in pregnancy, it starts to shift. And if you have one adductor pull on it harder, it's quite painful. So we can do some stuff, um, not only to tell you how to help it at home, but also just some soft tissue work and, and aligning to help with that area. So we don't do anything to baby, but what we're doing is really setting up the best shape of the pelvis for pregnancy and for delivery. And right. you can even, is this like true? Did I make this up? If someone's trying to get pregnant, you can also create like a healthy body for like the possibility. Yeah. I mean, right? there's, there's, uh, it, again, if we look at everything and getting pregnant, it's a, it's a pie, but if you can, you know, work on the mid back and work on paraspine, the parasympathetic system and start to like bring a little bit of a feeling of relaxation into the body. Cause we know that stress negatively impacts our ability to conceive. And then also just making sure that there's no impingement of any sacral nerves or the nerves that innervate the pelvis. So, um, I, I, like, you know, I, I don't even think I can legally say, oh, I can adjust your pelvis and that'll right. help you. But you know what I mean? It is yeah. a, like, yeah. it's just all it's overall health and focusing on the areas that are needed to conceive. And I also think it's, you know, the effect of actually telling somebody, hey, you were out of alignment and let's get you yeah. in alignment. And, and the belief that your body is healthy and can conceive, it, I believe in the power of thought in, in, visualizing and getting things online it, it and I, you don't even need to believe in it it's science like the power of thought and manifestation in the body is very powerful so i hope i can help in that too and reminding people that the body is an ancient miracle and knows what to do totally you don't got to tell katie about manifestation no. she's <laughs> a yeah. meme she yeah. believes yeah i'm a believer <laughs> Yeah. Do you also, because I've seen now people posting about taking their babies to Cairo. 
Mm-hmm. Do, you, yeah. do you do that too? I did that. Actually. Absolutely. And I think what's really, for me, what is like babies don't get adjustments. Like, you know, what we do is really gentle, like cranial sacral therapy or just very gentle, like little trigger points on areas. Like if, if baby's having a hard time in tummy time, lifting their back, just making sure there's no like spots. And then also making sure that there's no hip dislocation. They do check at the hospital, but it's good to follow up. And, and, but one of my favorite relationships I've had, and I've, I, I have a number of patients that I've seen the baby in utero from birth. And now they're, you know, like 10 years old. And I like to be a safe space for uh, appointment and a practitioner because a lot of early childhood appointments with medical practitioners are needles and they're not, I mean, that's not something that feels like a good interaction. And I don't want kids to be scared of seeking help as adults when they're, they need it. So I, I try and have a relationship of, of, you know, you come here and you're, even you're, if you're three years old, you're still in charge of your healthcare. You know, like you can tell me if something feels like hurtful, mm-hmm. obviously, That's so important. but you know what yeah. I mean? Like empowering them that, because I, I, I mean, everyone should be in charge of their own health. doesn't matter how totally. old you are. I love that. Cause if you think about it, it's, you're right. It's like the first like year, or almost two years of their life. Pretty much every time they're going to the doctor, it's for like something that hurts yeah, or something that's wrong or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, Yeah. So were you, when you had your girls, like, I guess as a Cairo, you're, you're an entrepreneur, you're technically an entrepreneur, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So you've always been, I feel like you're much more entrepreneurial than the average Cairo though. Yeah. Yeah. You are. You are. I'm like hitting it right now too. I'm like, tell us. Well, just, I mean, silly, not silly things, but like I am, you know, in my closet, I decided I want like none of my clothes anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to start. Oh, yeah. So you're I'm on Poshmark. Yeah. I'm I posh. It, it's, it's really fun. It kind of gets addictive. And I'm like, it's, yeah. it's so funny. Like I, I'm happy to sell something for $40 and I get a big dopamine hit from that. Like totally. Oh my God. Okay, <laughs> That's how wait. I feel about Facebook marketplace. So, I'm like addicted to Facebook marketplace. So wait, and Aaron's like, what are you selling? I'm like, Everything I have. Yeah. I've never done. Okay. So I used to do this, but I would just like put it in a bag and people could pick it up at Kokomo. And then I was like, oh, well, I'm driving traffic. It's basically a marketing strategy for Kokomo. Yeah, um, yeah. exactly. But, but then I just haven't done that for a long time. But then I was kind of looking at Poshmark because I was like, oh, I, it feels entrepreneurial, but it feels like yeah. a lot of admin, like you have to like mail things out and do all that. Like, is that like, is, is that true? Is it oh, a lot I, of admin? I hate doing any work for anything, but like if there's <laughs> no... The idea of like having to go and weigh something and wait in line, but the actually Poshmark, you, you like as soon as you sell it, they already send you a shipping label. You just like have uh, to use a printer, which a lot of yeah. us don't have printers, but I just send it to my work email. I'm like, can you yeah. print this and stick it on a bag and walk in, Perfect. give it to them. They don't have to do anything. So it, okay. it's, it, it's, and do they sh- give you the bag to, or do you have to buy a, like a bulk, a bunch of bags? You can use Amazon bags. Not right. that we oh, should be using Amazon, oh, but yeah. like just I like bought, I bought some bulk boxes. bags, mm, but perfect. you know, I, I honestly like was getting anxiety going to a consignment store because, you know, like, I feel like my worth is dependent on when they accept oh, things I, or not. Oh, like, oh my God. I know that experience when you like, especially like when they do we're not taking you yeah yeah, yeah. it makes like, you oh feel my God. Like, i feel shame am i ugly like, 
Yeah, I know. Totally. So I know I actually just like hand it over and then I say if they don't, if they don't want something, Same. donate it. Cause I'm like, donate. I can't deal with the insecure. I can't deal with that yeah. cycle, but also like whatever, just donate it. If you hate it, I'm sure everyone's going to hate it. So whatever. Oh my God. One time I was at this place on main, main exchange where they give oh, you money Liz's like right spot. away. It's my go-to spot. But this woman ahead of me was like, <laughs> she did what we all want to do. So they like, didn't take something. And she's like, this is a, like yeah. names, the designer, yeah. like she's trying to sell yeah. them on it. And they're like, bitch, we don't want your dress yes. I think it was... so many funny yeah. stories about that oh me my and my God. friend did that once and I was like at one of those spots on Main Street and they were like yeah they basically wanted nothing we just looked at each other we handed each other our bags and we're like okay we both have a new closet and we got rid of everything yeah. we did swap seats that's yeah. so smart well yeah. I like yeah. on Poshmark too that they don't take a high percentage like I feel like it's 20 percent oh that's pretty um, good so I basically like it, it, you know, if you bring something to turnabout, you're getting 40% of that. And so it's not very high. So you're, you're going to make more mm-hmm. money on Poshmark. And what I think about it, I, why, what would you ever, you have such a following on Instagram. Would you ever just do mm-hmm. your Instagram and get a hundred percent and just be done with it? I, I have, it's just so much more work. Like, okay. Okay. Because yeah. okay that sells me. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, Oh, can, can you bring it to turf? Can I try it on? Can I do yeah. that? Which okay. I'm happy to do, but like, ladies, we don't have we got to start thinking like men. I, yeah. I, I don't mean to, I'm not being like a men hater today, but like, no, I, I like it. No, that's um, not men hater. You're literally saying we have to think like them. I yeah, literally, optimize men. Yeah. yeah men. Like men. optimize your time. And, and honestly, I make, I still make more money at Cairo in an hour than I do selling a pair of boots. So it has to be like worth it. You know, like I do want to get rid of my closet. Poshmark mm-hmm. is easy. It works okay. for me while I'm sleeping. You know what I mean? Like, so, Oh my God, you know, this is not oh my God, sponsored. I love this. But I could I yeah. Hack. Okay. So it's like idea that you're selling because you're just like, I'm cleansing. I'm, I want less stuff. Or is this just like a way to like make money? Well, I, I think both because what I ended up doing, you know, I, I, I believe in circular fashion. I think we all do. Like there's, mm-hmm. we yeah. do not need, we probably never need another stitch of clothing to be made until the end of time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, I, I have, shopped a lot and I just kind of gotten and consignment most of the time but I've just like I I really want less like imagine if you went into your closet and you had three pairs of jeans two white t-shirts um a blazer a cardigan like I'm thinking of my ideal closet and that that was your wardrobe like you you kind of had peace of mind you know it's nice to have a lot of things but it also feels good to have less and are you like pinning what you want your future like capsule to look like or like how are you figuring out what your next closet looks like well, Katie, I got to stop buying shit because I feel like what I do is as soon as I sell something, I'm like, oh, I better get in. So yeah, anyway, yeah. Yes, yeah, that's I, what I mean. Like, how do you, I'm keeping that vision how do you create and then, the perfect closet where you're not wanting to sell it every six months? It's, I think it's coming into a higher consciousness of like, go, like it, it, and you guys might do this too, where you kind of go online and follow something and you don't actually buy it. And you're like, okay, I actually like went through that. Like I I guess I yes. hit that need to look online. I saw the thing. I yeah. pictured it in my closet just being there again. And yeah. we really need for not, you know, I, I want much less. And I think I have to keep coming back to like, does my soul need this or does my ego need it? And and if mm-hmm. I kind of connects with my soul that, I mean, soul is not shopping, but you know what I no, mean? Like, no, I totally no, get it. We do we, need some clothes, but like, we oh, I also need... think clothes are like for me, clothing and Expression. hair and all that. It's like yeah. so creative. Yeah. Although I do think like I am way more creative when I have 
nothing. So like food, like if I have nothing in the fridge, like, oh man, I am making the best dinner tonight. Like it's crazy. I am a magician with nothing in the fridge. Like that's the thing is like, it's everywhere though. I want to start using everything in my pantry before I buy some more stuff. You know, I totally hear you. I know there's nothing makes me happier than when we cook a dinner and like Chris and I pull the inventory and we're like, we literally like we went and bought nothing for this. And like, it's an amazing meal. It's like people always say, oh, being a vegan must be so expensive because you like all the fruits and veg are so expensive. I'm like, yeah, but like I basically eat beans, canned tomatoes and beans. Like I know that sounds so lame, but you've seen my Instagram. It doesn't look like canned. You go through more toilet paper, but (laughs) yeah, totally. Um, But yeah, Liz and I talk a lot about this where we're like, Oh, like, like it's so easy to get stuck in the like TikTok trends and all that and think like, oh my God, I need that, this one boot or whatever. And everything's going to be better in my wardrobe and I won't need to buy anything else after that. But then there is something like, I don't know, she has these shoes that I love of hers. And I'm like, why are you not wearing those shoes? Like they're amazing. She's like, oh, are they? I'm like, she's like, oh, I just like don't see them online or anything. I'm like, yeah, they're amazing. Like they're gorgeous, like make something work with them. And so Yeah, I don't know. I think that there is creativity in scarcity. I agree. And I think we take our power back when we need less. Like we're really pushing against all this kind of false sense of of pleasure that there is out there when like, you know, I kind of made these rules for 2024. And if it's like, if it doesn't fill my soul, if it doesn't make me money, or if it's not helping someone else, I'm not doing it. You know, okay, so one of one of three, two, three, or three, three. How many does it have to hit? It's an or. Well, it can be one of three, but the thing is, the last one has a caveat to it: is that if I if I don't have a full cup, I can't help someone else. So mm-hmm, this is right, like a solid right. rule. I saw this thing on Instagram the other day, and it was about like this woman t- and she had a saucer and a cup, and she's like, "I'm not helping anyone else, or I don't have anything to do unless my saucer's full." Mm, when yeah. my when my saucer's full. I'll give everything, but my because cup- you, if you're helping someone when you are not full, then you resent it, and yeah. it doesn't feel good after. That's how yeah. I'm feeling right now. Like I have so much going on with Kokomo, but mm-hmm. like also my friends are like having babies or having sick kids or having their yeah. own things going on, and I'm like, my value is to like who like what matters to me is that I show up for these people and that I'm cooking for them or I'm dropping mm-hmm. off food or something like that's mm-hmm. my love language and that's how I can support. But like. I'm just like, I could have a full-time job just supporting people right now. I know. And, <laughs> like, and, and I don't want you sending me food when you're depleted. I know. That, and so I, I bet your friends are the same too. You know, like yeah. 100%. We, we, we do when we can. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I mean more like helping people. Like I'm in a position of privilege. I live in Canada. I've been privileged enough to get educated and have a job. And if I'm not, you know, voicing things about people who need it or sending mm-hmm. money or, or being in, in action of helping other people, then I'm not, I, I, it, I'm misusing privilege, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I mean. Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, okay. So you're obviously in like a different stage of motherhood than mm-hmm. we are. So how I know, do teach you, us your ways, share us your wisdom. Teach us. How do you find balance as like a mom? Cause you're obviously still an entrepreneur doing all the things older girls there. Are they both in dance? Like you're very busy. Yeah. The one of them isn't anymore. Um, guys, it's hard. Like I would say Mm -hmm. baby, I would say up until five years old is very intense. Like I think once children are able to start like doing up their own seatbelt and brushing their teeth, when you have to do every single task, which was not my love, it's exhausting. 
It's mm-hmm. every single task is yours. Wash the hands, put on the boots, wipe the bum, you know, all of that. When they start doing that on their own and going to school, it's, and I would mm-hmm. say from five to 11 is, is like, not for everyone, but for me was easier. And then 11, like my youngest, she slept with me every single night until like 11. And then one day she's like, I don't think I'm going to sleep to you tonight. And I'm like, okay, see you at 2 a.m. And she's never slept with me again. And she really went from this very attached child to deciding that her peer group was who she wanted to influence her. And, And emotionally, that was extremely hard for me. Oh my gosh, we just talked about this <sighs> on we did. the podcast that's going live two days before this podcast. So on Monday, we yeah. talked about how like I'm so intimate with my son. He mm-hmm. fills up my intimacy cup. Like I yeah. give everything to him. We are one. And like I know that naturally we're gonna gain independence, but and I talk about full circle, like when I'm dying on my deathbed, I want him wrapped around me. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's what I want. Mm-hmm. And so like, how do you still maintain that level of connection and intimacy, even, you know, with a grown human? So, and I actually said in the podcast that I am, you know, excited to talk to you about this and learn more about like what it looks like in those middle, middle years between life and death. So yeah. So she said, I'm not going to sleep with you. And then she started to yeah, and it, place it, more that importance was, on that her connection was the with first her friends. Thing, and then it continued into like she was. She spent only, and she still is very much in her room all the time. Like where she was always mm-hmm. where I am, and then you know my clothes aren't cool, and my, mine, which I know they're cool, but it's all yeah, right. Well, like are. also, um, that's why we're selling are. all of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but like, you know what it is? It's grief and get used to grief guys. Cause you're going <laughs> to grieve every stage. I, I, I look at videos of my children when they're your age and I, I could honestly cry right now. It is mm. grief because you, that is a time that has passed and you, you get to hold it in your heart, but you don't get to hold it again. So yeah, we actually talked about that a lot in season one. Cause um, yeah, we were going through all the layers of grief and we still are, yeah, but it, yeah. it, and it yeah. continues. And then you also get to love and be so excited about who they are. And the good news I wanted to tell you is that I would say from 11 to 13 and a half, I, I was beside myself and I had to really adjust. Like I had to see therapy about it because I'm like, it's like having, it's like a breakup in a way, because it's totally. like having someone who loves and adores you and they still love you very much, but they really are like, I need to find myself. And my eldest mm. didn't go through that. So I that's what I, I was not prepared for that. So at Reese, all. was it more gradually or was she, she still hasn't done that? Like okay. She so still, she still would prefer to be attached to you. Reese is, I say this as a joke, but she's also so driven with dance that yeah. we call her yeah. like mildly narcissistic. So Reese has always been like, driven for Reese and she's so loving. I I mean, again, it's a joke, but she just has never blipped. Yeah. Like she's been consistent. She was never super clingy or attached in the beginning and she's never changed. She's we're very close. Right. But it didn't change. Whereas Mm -hmm. Shiloh was a a major change. And Mm -hmm. my therapist was like, you just have to accept that, you know, it might be when she's 20 that she kind of turns around. But guys, she is like we are like there already, like she's already come back around and is so tender with me and like is coming in my room at night and talk to me about like things that are going on with people at school and asking me advice on like her skin and, and her like eating healthy. Like, so I feel Mm -hmm. fortunate that 
like it wasn't easy. It was a bumpy ride and we were like fire on fire. But like I I got counseling around like um what did she she call it? Um I didn't accept like she's like you're mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna drive yourself crazy with like expectations that are not gonna be met because she's yeah. not capable of it right now, you know, like she's yeah. not capable of of seeing how you feel did you, know? you find so, it hard to be like a the parent in it because you are supposed to be like calm collected and cool or whatever, yeah. and you're actually like having way more of an emotional roller coaster than yeah. she is related to it so yeah, you found that hard. There was moments of grave immaturity on my part. Like, oh yeah, why aren't you my yeah. friend anymore? You know, like mm-hmm. it, 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 you know. But I get, I guess the whole thing is like you love yourself and your child through all of it, and they will always be mm-hmm. like there for you. And did mm-hmm. your husband have similar feelings, or what was his experience as these he, changes were he, happening? Well, he went from kind of being the person who was mostly ignored during her <laughs> Klingon phase to right. like her ally. Like right. mom's doing this, yes. and mom da, da 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 da. So like he became the sounding board for her, which I'm glad she had. Yeah. But that mm-hmm. hurt me. I'm like, oh, you're, you're going to dad to talk about me, you know? And and like yeah. dad was the safe space for her. So that how did you like, not totally your my situation? Yeah. I did. You did. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I yeah. well, and I was also like, I, I also felt like it affected us because I was like, you, I feel you don't have my back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which that is tough. It's so tough. I I mean, I feel like that with Emmett and Aaron right now. They're like a little like secret club and yeah. it really hurts to like not be wanted by your child. And like it's so hard like to not I want to just be like I made you. Yeah. Like, yeah. You yeah. know, but I do think the I feel like maybe it's like a common pattern with teenage girls because I went from being like, my mom was everything. And then when I was a teenager, all I wanted was my dad because my dad, I don't know, maybe because he wasn't going through that same grieving yeah. process. So yeah. he was, he was more open to it. And Katie, you're closer with your dad too, right? Yeah. We don't need to get into my mommy issues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, I'm, I'm, lo- I'm close with my dad too. I, I, like, but I honestly think you, you get around it and I, I Shiloh was a teenager is kind of like, and I don't mean this in playing games, but like the more desperate you seem for their affection or their, you know, like, yeah. it, it's very funny because the more boundaries I hold for her and the firmer I am, the more tender she is with me. So it's almost like I'm showing yeah. her how much I love her by not taking her crap, mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. You You're not like- going to walk the dogs. And I asked you four times, I'm taking your phone. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, totally. How do you, um, how do you talk with them about mental health? Like, do you find that kid, like, cause that just wasn't something I talked about with my parents when I was growing up, but I feel like it's more out in the universe now. Like, do you check in with them or how does that like come up with you guys? Oh, all the time, like all mm-hmm. the time, because it wasn't just postpartum. Like a year ago I went through, actually, it's funny. It was like, oh, this is the 10 year anniversary of my postpartum or the 14. I'm just going to have oh. another blip. And I kept saying, I'm having postpartum anxiety again. And everyone's like, mm-hmm. you didn't have a baby. I'm like, okay, well, it's just anxiety then. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, we, be, we, I've been so open with them since they were children and using words that they understood. Like we, we had a description of what anxiety was in the body and anxiety was in the mind 
from the time they were three. So they have a really Mm. good language around it, you know, or I'm feeling down, I'm feeling, you know, so it's a conversation all of the time. And Mm -hmm. especially with them entering, like they have their periods now. So they go through PMS and Reese is a little bit of a rager, you know, like she, like, you know how steady she is like that. Those days are just not. And then, um, so, you know, we have to have a language around it because I'm perimenopausal and I have two, uh, you know, menstruating girls Mm -hmm. in my house. So like we need to have a language around things and to have space. When they were younger, did you introduce the language and like the feelings while they were going through it or was it separate? And you guys talked about what it might feel like, like how do people who have children like toddlers, how do you start to introduce that? I think it's, I think, yeah, it was more the feeling they had around it. Like I could see it in a social situation or, you know, being afraid of a teacher or, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. And just saying, what does it feel like? You know, because Shiloh would be like, every day I got a call from school. Shiloh Mm -hmm. has a stomach ache. She wants you to pick her up. Mm -hmm. And I, so I had to start now. She didn't believe me at that age, but I had to start saying, saying to her, when you miss mommy, there's chemicals in your body that will make your Mm -hmm. tummy feel upset. And is there stuff you can do at school with your teacher that will make you feel more at home and know that you're going to see mommy soon. So I think that's how we did it was, was starting with the feeling because Reese was doing ballet pretty intensely from the age of three and a half, you know, like, Mm -hmm. which sounds hilarious, but she was, and she was in, (laughs) this is another funny story about Reese is that she was like in this Olympic gymnastics program when she was four, four, she was doing gymnastics eight hours a week at the age of four. And, um, the coaches sat me down once and they're like, we're not renewing Reese in this program. We don't feel she's Olympic material. And I'm like, she's poor. <laughs> oh she's my God. Olympic material. Oh yeah. my God. That's like, I mean, I get, I'm not even there yet, but like, how do you deal with that disappointment? And also how do you not like vicariously live through your kids and like have them live out your hopes and dreams? Cause I feel like that would be so hard. Ooh, that's another Shiloh thing too, because, you know, like she's such a good athlete and she basically, when she went through this phase, quit, quit everything she was doing. Like she was a good swimmer. She was a good dancer. She just said no to all of it. And, and we have a rule in our house that you have to have a sport. Like, so it, I don't care what you do. You can go skateboarding, but like you have to do something. And like, it was a fight every single night to get her to go to swimming. Like it, it was killing me, honestly. And finally I just la- allowed her last year to, to quit, you know? And, and, yeah. and then I think that's actually when things started to change for us was I, I no longer forced her. Yeah. You know, I was like, Oh, you have to finish the year. And I was like, I, I can't finish the year like mm-hmm. this. It's too hard. You know? So mm-hmm. I think you'll look at yourself in the ego pretty hard when you have a child that's really good at something and they decide they don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And and you can kind of see it all for them. Like how much you'll be like, oh, you're going to regret this because you could swim yeah. in university or, but it's not your life. So you have to like let yeah. them live their own life. Ugh. I can't even imagine like what Emmett is going to be good at. It's just- <laughs> Well, no, I didn't mean it no, like I that. Know. I just no, like, what crazy. is, what's going to be yeah. his thing? It's so cool and, like, though. 
It's so cool. Aaron's brother um, was a professional ballet dancer. Wow. And yeah. And um, like he always jokes, he's like, oh yeah, Emma has such great rhythm, like his movement. And like, I'm like leaning so hard. I'm like, oh, please, Aaron, like let's get him into dance. And he's like, yeah, we can. But also Liz, like we have to let him like discover and decide like what is for yeah. him actually but they can't Denise decide would know, um, Aaron's brother because he teaches where her daughters go oh. oh yeah he taught at the go I think maybe he still does his name's Reed Reed coming we know Reed <laughs> we know Reed very well oh yeah God, Reese, Reese, yeah Reese is, is like adores Reed yeah so uh, but the thing is this is where the funny thing is you have kind of have to decide what you're going to put your kids in yeah before true, they have true. a consciousness around what they're going to decide so that that's the thing that is your job is to is to be like what makes sense for our family and and yeah. and you know it's hard to know at like three years old what a kid is gonna be good at you know but but if they don't you know they might just hate it and not do it but I think it's really good to have like a variety of things because I think especially in Vancouver and BC there's a real pigeonholing of kids into one sport very early and that's actually not good for developing anything like you you're going to be a better hockey player if you're playing like soccer and baseball you're going to be a you're going to be a better everything with cross conditioning and as the the motor brain is the motor development in the brain is going on. The more exposure, the more patterns, the more connections, the more they're able to do anything as they grow up. So yeah. why would you want your kid only playing hockey? It doesn't That's make so sense true. to me. I know hockey mom life seems really. Oh my god, I don't. Also, yeah, don't soccer's worse. Me. I have a friend, and she's oh, just really? outside in the like torrential oh downpour. Oh, I used to like god. refuse to date guys to play soccer because I was like, "There's no way I'm sitting out there." No, no. When I was younger, I always prayed for it to rain on the days of soccer and baseball because yeah. my parents like put me in everything and. Yeah literally all I wanted to do was like stay home and read books and yeah. I just was praying for I imagine it, little Liz out on the yeah. field well it didn't happen I would just yeah. be like uh I'm, and also like same as Shiloh or Reese like oh my stomach hurts I, I yeah. always have like some kind of affliction and really yeah. it's just anxiety yeah yeah no um <laughs> Oh my God. What is CJ going to do? Are you going to get him on skis soon? I feel like you have yeah, to. So, I mean, who knows what will happen, but we like Chris and I already play tennis and Siege will come and hang out by the tennis courts and like, we'll bring like a third person while we'll kind of trade off. And so mm-hmm. hopefully he plays tennis and cause that's like our favorite thing to do when we're traveling yeah. and whatever. It's yeah. Easy. It's great. You just like bring a racket and you can play anywhere. So mm-hmm. hopefully tennis. And I grew up playing tennis. Um, I lived in Singapore and you know it's just an outdoor sport and then mm-hmm. um yeah and then I actually I'm learning how to ski next weekend oh, first right. time yeah, ever because yeah. again I grew up in Singapore I did not ski and so mm-hmm. I'm like literally putting my shoes my feet in skis for the first time ever that is and, so exciting yeah and mm-hmm. honestly it's just because I don't want to be a mom at the end at the bottom of the hill you know like I want to be up there I want to be having fun with everyone so yeah I mean if he doesn't want to ski great I will probably won't keep it up but I might as well like get a head start and start to learn so I can go with him and then I don't know yeah. like who knows he's really into throwing things really into like hockey he like throwing everything things. Throwing I know things. <laughs> <laughs> balls, sounds right. balls yeah. that sounds like boys to me what are they yeah. into? Throwing oh things. my god throwing I know things. boys and yeah. girls but yeah Smashing I don't know things. Chris hopes he'll play golf you yeah. know we all have our hopes yeah. and dreams but yeah we'll see what happens yeah, yeah. I know it's um, such a funny one have you always swam, Geneve? I feel like swimming is so your thing. No, and it's no. so funny uh, because I actually, Katie, I just started skiing in 2020 or 19. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And, and, and all of us just started together, literally. Cool. And now, now it's the best thing we've ever done with our I family. Know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, because you guys have been like going up to Whistler and everything as well. It's like, because you guys have, let's talk about this. You have such great, to me, I'm just watching from a distance, such rich family friends. Yeah. You do, right? Mm-hmm. And like, do you mean it literally or figuratively? Yeah, I know. Oh my God. Like, literally you know what? Actually, that is both. so <laughs> funny. Both. Um, yeah. But like, no, I meant more like, yeah, yes, just you I guys know, are so connected. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, that, but that helps too. Well, yeah. yeah that's it, why it you get to go to also tra- You're also trying to keep up with it. And you're like, I know. Ooh. I can't even um, imagine. That's why I hang out with Liz. But <laughs> yeah. Um, um, no, we have really like kismet interest. So like me and my girlfriends take our kids hiking every year. Yeah. And, that's and so nice. And um, to mm. answer your question about swimming. Oh, I, sorry. I, re- I took us on. No, a all good. I, <laughs> I believe really like the best thing for my body is a lot of things. And I started doing swim club probably 10 years ago, but not like I just did it to get out of my comfort zone. And to mm-hmm. think that where I started to where I am now, I like, it, swimming yeah. is a joy for me, a pure joy. It's hard. There's nothing that's improved my health or my body, not the bags under my eyes, but everything else. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> then, then swimming. Swimming is, it's incredible. And I've gotten the opportunity to do some really cool races yeah, and I'm looking yeah. into more races this year. So, and, and increasing the distance of the swims we're doing. So uh, yeah, I feel like and I feel like it's that kind of like life adventure where like you're swimming in an ocean where there's sharks and all yeah. the, the currents and it's cold and, you know, it, it's just, a, it really brings, it's, it's like being alive, you know? Yeah, so it's been really fun. I, I know that feeling of pure joy because I'm not really an athletic person, but when it comes to tennis, that's, it's like my joy. It's like the only yeah. time I don't want to look at my phone and I don't yeah. have ideas mm-hmm. in my head. And I, I just like, I don't think about food. I'm literally just like, I want to play tennis, <laughs> yeah. you know? And Katie's always thinking about yeah, food. Yeah. I'm always thinking about food. So yeah, I totally get that feeling of joy. It's amazing. I actually was a swimmer my whole life. It's the only sport I no actually way. did. Yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, that's an intense, also an intense investment as a parent because yeah, like there's different types of swim clubs, but I, that's actually more of our family friends came from things like swim club as well because yeah. you're like at meets all weekend so you're just yeah. hanging out anyways yeah it's easier you're hanging like, out at the meets my parents mm-hmm. were very like co-parenting you know with other families so it'd be like hey you take the older kids we'll take the younger yeah. kid you know and like yeah it was all mm-hmm. around swimming as well um mm-hmm. but yeah you guys are you're doing your hikes with your family friends like it's it's really cool to see like and I feel like you met them later in life right I did yeah, which yeah. is so unique. And I think that's really cool. We, you know, for us, we just moved here to Squamish in the last two years. And we're, it's this weird thing where like our really close friends are still in the city and you yeah. know, we're still working in the city a little bit. So it's like, we're kind of straddling both communities, but then because we spend so much time still in the city, it's hard to invest in our new friends yeah. here. And like, we love the people here and we're all in these new families and in it together. Um, but like, how did you... Yeah, like, I don't know. I'm just so curious about late in life friends, I think. And and to be so close, because I do find like yeah. if I, I sometimes text Liz, I'm like, I wish you were here so I could just like sit in my pajamas and ugly socks and like have a glass of wine with you. Yeah. And like, yeah, I yeah. could do that with my new friends, but it doesn't feel as effortless and it feels more like an energy suck. Yeah, it doesn't have the depth and you could have Liz come over and like not talk and drink wine yes. and yeah, like and it would do it's like that. Up. It, it's your nervous system gets to be 
fully soothed because mm-hmm. there's, you love her unconditionally, you know, and there's mm-hmm. that, that depth of relationship. I met um, Deanne and Michelle when Shiloh was in kindergarten. She's the same age as, as their daughters. And they were both high up at Lululemon at the time. Yeah. And I used to work with Michelle. I don't know how I got in their run club because I was not in oh. uh, the kind of shape mm. that these women were. And it was just like, they, they blew my mind as, as mothers, you know, um, Michelle also had postpartum depression or, or, you know, maybe a deeper set of blues and, and, uh, they still were just kind of these, they've really inspired me actually, Mm -hmm. I have to say, and, and elevated me and, and started bringing me into more consciousness. Like, you know, they have conversations about things that are difficult. They have, I'll say something and I'll be like, I, th- I think that's a bad idea. You know, like they actually challenge. Mm, I love that. Um, that feels to me like the old Lululemon that I used to know same. as well. Like, yeah, yeah, I think that's so important. Yeah. I, I'm it, like it, kind of being brought back right now to people who were able to have those conversations yeah. and to like stand like true and like stand strong in their truth. Yeah. And, and I, I appreciate it. It, it, I, and, and I'm so much better of a communicator and so much more of a fierce person because of how they've inspired me. So, you know, to this day, they're my, my go-to people for everything Mm -hmm. and, and kind of the bar I set for myself for integrity and, um, Mm -hmm. because they've never, they've never held back and they're, they're actually, they're not very big complimenters or anything. So the good thing about that Mm -hmm. is that you can be around people like that and they'll, they'll give you like, not tough love, but honest love. And, and when they say something, because it doesn't happen that often, it's like, you, you better, know they mean it. you know, they mean it because they don't just pass them out. You no, know, that's so true. Yeah. And the way they talk about me behind my back, I get like in a good way. Like some people be like, Deanne said, you're a really good swimmer. I'm like, what? <sighs> isn't that the um, best? You know what I mean? So, so they might not say something in my face, but they're, they're always in a room defending mm-hmm. not defending but like being there for me or, yeah. or so, so you know like those are the people you want in your life mm-hmm. and and it makes me want to be of highest integrity with them too mm-hmm. totally yeah I mean honestly like Katie if you think about it we're kind of late in life friends yeah that's true I mean Lululemon it was like a third level of education it's like you have like yeah. elementary school high school you know or fourth I guess and then college and then Lululemon and yeah. you it's like this crazy like incubator of friendships I feel like yeah, um, yeah. that are so deep because the culture back then was you know you go deep or you go home yeah and yeah and you know, we had to get to know each other on that level. So yeah, I do. Yeah. I do agree with you. And like yeah. some of my other best friends um, are definitely, yeah, people I met in my thirties. So that is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with having kids, like I've just found like, just as Emmett is like, you know, as he's getting older, like you bond with people who have kids that are the same age because you're like in it together Yeah, and you can like talk about what they're going through. Finding mom friends is really hard though. You have to find ones that like don't annoy you or trigger you or like care about shit you don't care about. It's hard. It's, it's, it's really hard. hard. I've, I've had the hardest friendship breakups in my thirties, like really mm. tough ones and, and come out the other side and, and been so grateful for me and them because it wasn't, it wasn't going to be the intimacy that we, or, or the interest that we both wanted. So it's good that it happened, yeah. but it was just, you know, you, you go into thirties still kind of like this, I don't know, kind of people pleasing and, and needing yeah. to be liked and approved or um, friends with the people you were still friends with or like, 
I don't know, it, it just changes though, where you get closer to your values, your time is more valuable because your child is the most important thing in your life. And, mm-hmm. and then you have to redefine where you're spending your time. Yeah. Or energy. I love that. Can you actually talk more about this? Because I feel like this is like such great wisdom for us. So, you know, do you find that it was like an intentional thing where you're like, okay, this person isn't working or was it and you had to like fully have a breakup convo or was or do you find that a lot of it just happened really naturally and it just made sense for both of you guys? Both. So I would say like the caustic, crazy flares were like early 30s and, you know, like I feel like there are mean moms. Like there was like kind of cliquey, and and mm-hmm. I don't want to say mean, just ego stuff was happening, yeah. and and so there was some pretty gnarly. And and I guess I guess you would call that a natural friendship breakup, but it was more of a breakdown, like a full breakdown mm-hmm. and um, hurt and grief and and like breakup energy. And then you know seeing how that played out and realizing, oh, that was good. And then getting a lot more interested in, in my own personal growth in all the ways and in, in getting counseling and reading things and in learning about how to live a full, full life, because we're not guaranteed at the next second. So like every, our, our time is our most valuable asset, like no question. So then I started kind of getting like Poshmark, like kind of addicted to like, oh, who, who is filling my soul and who do I want to keep this reciprocal with and who like do, you know, am I feeling drained every time they ask me to do something? It's like, kind of like, Oh yeah, Yeah. maybe next week. You know what I mean? And that's not fair to them either. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want someone to be like, Oh sure. I'll do something like, and not actually want to do it. It's not fair. So it's more of an Mm -hmm. F you to someone to say yes, when you don't want to, than it is to like say love you to them. You know what I mean? That's not loving them. Yeah. Let them have someone who fills their soul too. So I think I got more um implemented and very uh focused and and aligned with being cutting off fr- consciously uncoupling my friendship. Yeah. I love that. Consciously. And you talk about yeah. time. Like when I even when I hear you talk, I feel like I'm kind of flailing and I know I'm a new mom and I'm still trying to figure it out. But and maybe I will always be figuring it out. But like how do you like I even hear that I'm like how how do you even create time for like reflection and to think and be intentional about these things I know that's such a granular question but this is where my head's at right now I'm no, like it, trying it, to learn like how are you inti- doing this is it is it subconscious while you're driving and while you're eating you know talking to your husband before you go to bed or is it like I guess yeah therapy and like more structured reflection? It, it's very much less therapy like that's helped along the way kind of where I wasn't objective about things But I would say I tend to be, when I'm feeling down or I'm feeling emotional, I I really take inventory of of what's going well and what's not. And I journal and and, uh, I get intentional in the journal about kind of like what I'm manifesting and, and what is taking my energy and what's giving it. But usually if I'm being really honest, it's happening when I'm having a hard time, Mm -hmm. when I'm down. It's, it's, you kind of like, I tend to over busy myself when I'm in, you know, adrenalized unconscious state when I'm down or anxious is when I really am like, okay, time to apply some medicine and bomb and, and what's working, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. Oh, I love this so much. I feel like you're like our resident older sister. Like you just yes. I know. can I be? Yeah. And you're like our sage wisdom. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's so nice because you were just where we were. And so it's still you're still going through it and it's still fresh for you. And yeah. I just feel like I've learned so much from you. And Thank you, yeah, guys. Yeah, I, I, and I, I'm so glad that I harassed you to get on your show. I'm like, hey, I want to be oh on. Oh, my not God. Literally, I feel like this has just been, it's so perfect for us to have like a glimpse into the future of what yeah. um, is like, you know, look, you know, we have to look forward to and get ready for. Um, yeah. And I just am like so inspired. I love how you like say like you're so focused on like athletic pursuits and like pushing yourself in that way. I just find that so inspiring. And with swimming, I mean, I don't have like a swimming in my life right now. There's anything that makes me feel that alive, but I know that feeling. And I just think, um, I think reading yeah. is that for you, Liz reading. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I used to be really into swimming. I had like a period of time where I was going to kids pool all the time and it felt so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's like nothing like that, like tired you feel after you go swimming. Like it's like the yeah. best, like, so like low impact and good for your body. Um, but yeah, I have a question no. for you before we exit. I'm actually going to go running for the first time this weekend in like two, maybe two and a half years um, since before I got pregnant. So any like hot tips for me or like anything I need to think about? I know everybody is different, but any general things to think about while I'm running and helping my bod? Yeah, I would go in with having a really like pure heart and enjoying nature and where you are and, and like doing everything that sets you up for that run to be the best, which is like, if you like to run at 6am or, or, you know, you're not running, but you know what I mean? Like do the time that you want, listen to the music you want, go to the trail that you want or the road and be so generous with yourself that you exceed your expectations. So like, for me, Mm -hmm. I realize that I don't work well with, you have to run, X amount and you're going to run at this pace, I actually do much better with, you're going to run for nine minutes and walk for one. And then I decide, oh, I feel so good running. I'm not going to walk. So yeah, set yourself yeah. up like that. Like, so I'm that you were like two in one. So yeah, nine. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the other thing, I, the one thing I want to leave you and everyone with that has young children is that I literally, and Katie, I wanted to tell you, I started playing tennis three years ago and I'm also obsessed, but I did not have time for all of this when my kids were really young. So be compassionate with yourself and know that like I'm in better shape now in my mid forties than I was when I was in my, any other time, because now my kids like can stay home on their own and stuff. And I, Mm -hmm. and it is an absolute non-negotiable that I move an hour a day, non-negotiable for my soul, my spirit, my worthiness. And I couldn't have done it earlier or it would have been very hard. So let yourself know that you, it's, it's there for you whenever you want it. I love mm-hmm. that. Thank you. Ugh, thank you. I needed that. Yeah. It's there for you. Time. Yeah. yeah. Ugh, thank you. Geneve, this was so nice. Thanks yeah, guys. This was amazing. I adore you both and I hope to see you soon. Love it. Love okay. it.